Hey guys, Christmas cracker time again. Jackson, what day today, mate? Day 20. This is another Dungeon Junkies Christmas cracker, guys. We had so much to get through, we've actually got a spoiler warning for this one, though. This one is my DJ for 2022. From here on in, this Christmas cracker contains spoiler. Okay, guys, so uh, let's take it away again, Kay, when you're ready, please. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to not the Fall of Ocha. This is a Christmas cracker. I think. I don't know how to intro this. It's all good. (laughs) We are continuing with our lovely, lovely Q&A session. Because in the last one, we had the Chaos siblings, i.e. me and Alex. Clearly some of the best ones. (laughs) Yeah, you heard me, Matt. Oh, fair. Oh, but since you seem so offended, why don't we turn the spotlight on you first, as it were? You could put the guy with the biggest ego in the room on the pedestal? Fine. Yes. Okay. Because it's fun. Okay, fine. Um, at time of recording, um, I am Matt. Oh, I will be Matt, but um, <laughs> I am... Um, I was the DM for the original campaign of Dungeons & Junkies, um, the Enoi Chronicles, uh, which the time recording has now concluded. Um, spoilers for that will undoubtedly be brought up at this point, no doubt. Um, but do please check out when it, when it, um, as it drops on VGM, because it's, it's a labour of love. And when I say that, my word, it was a labour season three. I think everyone can feel advantage for that one, unfortunately. So, okay, who who wants to ask me questions first? Oh, I'll ask the first question. I'll have other questions. But my first question to you, Matt, is at one point in season three, did you realize that you had lost, like, the plot completely? Lost control. Yeah. Um, um... I mean, not that you really ever had full control, <laughs> but... Like, at one point in season three, did you realize that we had fully just taken the Chocobo off the track <laughs> and you were no longer going to get to do anything that you wanted to? Um, right. Um, making the mistake very early on to give you unlimited money, um, unintentionally, um, that's one That's one aspect of it, for sure. Because at that point, the economy was in ruins. So every now and again, I had Alex asking me, can I go to a shop and buy this? And I'm like, well, if you get a chance to, of course you can go do that. But the economy's in fucking ruin at this point. And that's why I was like, pretty expensive. Like, yes, because Chad has ruined the economy. But that wasn't Chad's fault, that was Matt's fault. Um, there are other various bits and pieces, obviously, which uh, were addressed in the finale. <laughs> so why um, things would have arrived so badly. Um, but that main main thing, main reason I was when you had all the money and I therefore had no oh god that was that was interesting googling how to ruin an economy um I was I'm praying I'm not also going to watch this now for that one you're on several indeed just walking Caitlin ah I mean, what kind of 
What kind of story were you wanting to tell with Parallax? Well, I introduced it early, and I did that to try and do a similar thing which I did with, because obviously at the end of season one, I instilled the whole thing with the the three female voices, which obviously was building up to the, the three banshees at the end of season two. But I did a really bad job of it with this one because I kept teasing it and then I realised I'm running out of steam. So it didn't actually... What I wanted to happen was have this big endgame style battle at the end and it just didn't come to pass. It just didn't work. The Parallax ended up being... Well, he ended up unintentionally being fodder. Unintentionally. It, it was originally going to be basically the uh, the body for Thanatos to uh, inhabit. Basically, Thanatos was going to be his passenger. I think, though, especially given, to my knowledge, it was your first campaign... You find your first campaign is generally a very steep learning curve. Oh yes, I found that very much. Found that to be the case for sure. What would you say the biggest thing you've learned whilst DMing is? Um, one thing I learned, um, and I learned this going into, um, um. Doing D and learned this from Johnny Chiodini. Um Never have your players roll a roll that you're not prepared for if they lose it. I I've learned the opposite. Never have your players roll a roll so if they succeed, you're not ready for what happens. Because I've had that happen many times. Example: the Manticore. Example, the owl bear, or the drag owl bear, as it turned out in the <laughs> letter. Um, the infinite money. Um, it all these things that good roles. And the thing is, that's what I've always done for the whole of Edenoid, uh was reward, um, su- uh, reward success. But I didn't have a cat for it, and I need to maybe rein that in a little bit. Given how, like in the first two seasons, I gave it inspiration, like like Oprah giving up miracles. It is a meme in the D and J Twitter chat where it's just inspiration. It's just gifts of Oprah. I'm very tempted to edit Matt's face over one of them at some point. I'm both, Maybe one night when I can't sleep. <laughs> I am both honoured and terrified. <laughs> I mean, if we end up, ha- if we're handing out for some bizarre reason in group rewards. You've never really shown if you've been stumped by something that's been thrown at you. You've always seemed like you've been able to just roll with everything. Well, one of the things that I've always loved about D&D is that the only limitation is one's imagination. And you four are, pardon my language here, batshit crazy. Oh, we love you too. And I love, uh, but the fact is that you come up with such ingenious things. I mean, not to go ahead too much here, but the stuff I've already got for Spell Space, which is the Spell Jabber series I'm doing next um, towards the end of the year, start of next year, you guys have sent me some amazing stuff so far, and the rest of the stuff still to come. Can't wait. 
I'm giving you the multiverse to travel. What am I fucking doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? What about you, Alex? Anything for me? What? In an ideal scenario, how would have season three played out in your head? What would have been different? Mm. Well, in an ideal world, I would have done a better job with other people's backstories. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I had, had it. I made it. I made mistakes incorporating backstories of a couple of characters. Um, so much so that. And Kerry, you were amazing in the finale, the way that you rolled with it and, and leant into it so hard. And I literally felt the burns. And it was it was meant, but that was exactly what it was meant to do. Um it, <laughs> I'm now being sensitive with some pixel shades and they're brilliant. Um yeah. Um ideal world, I would have had the uh it would have been um my my big dream was for you to have one battle and it would have been you four plus your animal companions against uh, Thanatos in Parallax's body and every single enemy you'd ever faced. That was the plan. And so I thought I would partially, I partially use that, as you know, obviously in part one of Finale, when you made short work of the creatures that were there. Um, yeah. That was a... That's what, it, that's what I wanted it to be, but it didn't go that way. It didn't go that way. Make, partially because I made mistakes as a DM, but, I've learned, but I can learn from that. And that's a uh, good thing, is that uh, once you speak in the canon, it's it's happened. So you can't take it... You can't. I can't put the genie back in the bottle. That was the case, you would never have the fucking manticore. You can. You just take it out and you kill it like we did in season two. <laughs> Well, this is this is actually quite true. You, you did, yes. Any more questions for me? Uh, of course, I have to ask my... I think this was the question I was asking before, and I'm going to ask it again, even if it wasn't. Because it's a two-part question, and it is because you have wrapped the campaign as well. I'm sure I've asked it before, but now that we're finally at the end, it's your A, your biggest regret, B, your favorite NPC that you got to play throughout your whole thing and see just your favorite moment then from the, you know, entire breadth of the campaign since you have now finished it. Okay. My biggest regret um, unquestionably has to be the missteps I made um, with uh, with Tinker and Valili in season two, um, I could have done a lot more with them. I should have done a lot more with them. Um, don't get me wrong, I love Tempest and I love Finney, and I would always treasure those characters that, that you guys created. But I did wrong by them at times. I feel as well. Um, unquestionably, uh, I also slightly regret um, turning Caitlin's uh, amazing creations into horn dogs <laughs> um 
But at the same time, I also don't regret it because that scene election on, on their face was amazing. Um, the yeah, biggest regrets is definitely from a meta perspective, um, not utilizing that properly. Um, second question that you asked me there, uh, my favorite NPC. Oh, that's well, that's 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 difficult. Um, tempted to go with um, tempted to go with the uh, the DM PC in the final in the final um final chapter that were because you guys were savage bastards and I love the fact that Caitlin actually took a knife <laughs> ready to kill him. I'm like, please don't do please don't kill the NPC. Um I I did enjoy playing the man with four with four wives. Um mainly because um and and Kerry's uh, infamous line were always in my head there. Um, a lily, functionally a nun, <laughs> leaves immediately. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will. I will never forget um, that one for sure. I, not other other little one here anyway. Um, and shout out to Santa for putting up with your four your four um, bullshit um, at Christmas the first year, uh, particularly Chad for killing Rudolph. Um, no regrets. Uh, some regrets. <laughs> um, and my favorite moment, my favorite moment, unquestionably, um, was when Kerry um, was a um, surprised you all by breaking the fourth wall, seeing you free. Like, what the what the fuck's going on here, sort of thing? Because. Um, I don't think I've been done like that in D and D. Certainly, I've never heard a podcast, a D and D podcast, do that anyway. Um, but um, Kerry was amazing at it. Um, she she lent into it heavily. I knew that you three would lean into it as soon as uh, you saw what was. You figured out quite quickly what was going on. Like okay, and then you and then the the four of you were just wetting yourselves and leaning into the following scenes that happen after it, and I will never, ever forget that. Um, it, it made sense that the chaotic campaign ended in chaos, basically. Um, is there anything else which sticks out to me? Um, many other things, I'm sure, but I, I can't think of the top of my head. Many other things, uh, but I can't remember the top of my head. I think with something like this, trying to recall everything, as soon as we stop recording, you always think of more you could have said. Of course. Of course. And if you have, I should probably, I've made sure to ask you, what were your favourite moments of Eden Noy? Hmm, turning the question on us. I'm going to go for the basic answer and say, um, pretending to be absolutely off our faces in the very, very last episode. Being overjoyed that nothing matters. <laughs> it was just this incredible mix of like play a character having an existential crisis, but drunk <laughs> and merry. What rest of you? I think for me, um, I think it was more of an out, like, out of game reaction. Just your face every time. 
I would because when I got create an contra animals, I was like, this is gonna be fantastic. And every time an animal came in a scene, just the the shock in the just the regret on your face. First it was the wolves, then it was a giraffe in the middle of the circus, and then obviously in the finale it was the um meteorite meteorite rhinoceros. Yes. You just never saw it coming every time. You could just no, tell it on your face and it was no, brilliant. I will that will those will live me forever. Uh, up there as well with the uh, um Rain's Curse Wild Shape, which uh was was brilliant at times. And again I should look more into that as well at times. I regret that as well. Caitlin, anything stand out to you for me tonight for you? I mean, as Tempest I just had great fun ruining your encounters. Hmm. Which I'm sorry, but also not Artificer, my guy. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot I how OP... I have and he's just forgot. I, I forget how OP Artificer can be. It was also like the fifty fucking archers on a rooftop. Like if I hadn't exposed them, we'd all be dead. No, Kay would do some very dry bug kicking with her boots. <laughs> Yes, but Kerry couldn't see them. I'm not that special, Matthew. <laughs> Hello, I... I think on Tinker fondly, but also I think I was right to leave him behind when I did. Yeah. And I got to go kind of full chaotic stupid with Tempest. No, so. they, they were cinnamon roll, bro. They were lovely. They're a cinnamon roll that could actually kill you. Indeed, and they were. They did stand. They stand down the god of death. Let's not forget that. Yeah, for a person that she didn't really like that much, and I'm like, hmm. I don't know how I got away with that confrontation. If I'm honest, I'll take it. <laughs> but hey, Demos is my best boy, and I will always protect. Also, fucking Quarsoon sending Tinker to therapy. Dickhead. <laughs> That was brilliant. <laughs> Chad didn't know anything about that. And so I was like, fine, this has happened, and this is why it's happened. Cool. And Chad was like, cool. <laughs> Speaking of which, what's it up to you, dude? Uh, so, three favorite Corsoon things. One is just, as a whole, the Corsoon character was... Basically me turned to 11, just with a complete disregard for anything, and that was one of the most fun things to play, because Corsoon had no allegiances till the end, or probably after the second season that he actually cared about. So the first, like, two seasons were just, you know, Chaos Incarnate, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, the second favorite moment that i had throughout the entire campaign was definitely the body swap episode and just making 1000 jokes about corsoon's inability to walk without a tail as the need for a tail was such a like fundamental part even though i don't think i actually used my tail to do an attack one time though that was the first thing i brought up to matt when i created the character is i was like i need to be able to use my tail to attack because i'm going to do it all the time I don't think I ever did it. Not once. Time. Not once in three years. And then my favorite moment throughout the entire time that we played this actually goes all the way back to the first season. 
and it goes all the way back to the chariot race. And the whole setup of the chariot race, of us building the chariot and cheating, and then waiting to, A, blind the rich dude who was there, so then I could though then go kill Rain's dad in one hit. And when you realize what I had planned and how I was going to kill Rain's dad, and I put every bit of wordplay out first to make sure that by the way the rules were written, there was no way you were going to be able to talk your way out of it. And I did 160 damage in one strike and walked away. It was one of my favorite looks that you made throughout the entire time I've known you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've repressed that memory. Thank you, Chad. No problem. <laughs> that memory, thanks for that. Oh, yeah, Eden was done. Um, But it will live on. Maybe it will come back next one time. Maybe you won't. Thank you to everybody who listened this year. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, too. We're out of here. We're out. Peace. Goodbye. Goodbye.